Today's episode of Laz and Powers is brought to you by NetSuite. Successful companies know faster growth requires the right tools. If you're doing one, ten, or hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue, NetSuite by Oracle gives a full picture of your business, finance, inventory, HR, customers, and more, all in one place. Over 19,000 companies trust NetSuite, the world's number one cloud business system. Schedule your free product tour right now and receive your free guide, Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits, at netsuite.com slash listen. That's netsuite.com slash listen. It's not about me. I'm only here for a minute. And I know that I can't fix it I can help even just a little bit Won't you let me try Hello and welcome to another episode of Laz and Powers. Um, I'm Mark Lazarus of The Athletic and I am not joined by Scott Powers. He's back in Chicago and he's uh, the flu is running rampant through his family right now so we wish him the best and we're kind of glad he's thousands of miles away so that we don't get the flu. Uh, I'm joined by Ben Pope, who has my old job. He does a terrific job for the Chicago Sun-Times as the Blackhawks beat writer. It's his first year on the beat. Uh, ben, say hi. Howdy. I've listened to this some, so uh, happy to be on and uh, filling in for Scott. I hope he feels better. Is this your first time in Edmonton? I believe this it is, This is my right? first time in Edmonton. So yes. this, this, was, this was for me, like, you know, we're going to talk Blackhawks, but I, I think I'm, I'm just more interested in... in, in and um, you're 22? 22. 22, so I hate you for one thing. <laughs> I was 32 when I started that job. Um, and I felt young at the time. I'm very much not now. Um, I'm fascinated by the, you know, the, the I, I, my first year on the beat was the post-lockout year, 2013. It was, uh, I, I covered the Notre Dame, going to the BCS championship game, six days off, and then Blackhawks training camp started. It was four days long, and then we were in L.A. for the season opener. They played 48 games in 99 days, and they won the Stanley Cup. It was just insane. You came in. T- tell us how you came into the job. Well, I came in in May when we had some shuffling around, and, and Jason Leisure moved over to the Blackhawks, and uh, so I had the whole summer basically to, to get accustomed to things and be pretty bored. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's um, weird because you get summers off in the newspaper world. You get summers off for hockey writing, and you started in the summer. Yeah, and I was very impatient throughout all of it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the draft and free agency is fun and growing up I'd always followed that and so that was cool to to be on this side of it and get to talk to Bowman every day and that sort of thing but then I mean August is nothing happening and right. I'm just impatient for the season to start while I think in future summers I'll probably be enjoying that time more. Be, please God don't let August end yeah um, it's, it's interesting because like when, when I first walked into the Hawks locker room like I couldn't identify three quarters of them by face I didn't know who any of them were I had no prep time whatsoever and it was crazy I actually felt fortunate the Blackhawks started 21-0-3 that year because there was such a media crush during that streak that you couldn't do anything anyway. You couldn't distinguish yourself anyway. So I was able to kind of blend into the pack a little bit and and and, and just find my way. That by the time the playoffs started, I finally was starting to feel comfortable on that beat. Um, you're you're like the age of half these guys. Does that does that does that register in any way with them? Like that that you know you're kind of on this like I'm I'm I'm, I'm turning forty next month. You know Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook. Those are guys at my level. But half this team is basically your age or younger. Does that help you in any way? Um, I think at first maybe it hurt. You're talking about the TikToks or anything like that? <laughs> I think maybe at first it hurt because I didn't, like, I had to sort of gain their respect a bit. And, sure, yeah. And 
I don't know how much they know me now, but they at least I'm they know familiar. And, uh, the, thing, uh, the thing I've learned over the years is they know, the people who travel are the ones that they quickly, yeah, yeah. They, 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 they know who you are, they're reading most of it, and you know, they recognize the PR guys, tell them, you know, these are the guys that are here every day. They, they know the difference between us and, you know, a radio person who comes in for a home game and that's it. They do recognize. They don't. They don't give you any hint of that recognition, but they do know. Yeah, Kirby Doc. Maybe in December or something. I asked him a question. I don't even remember what it was about. And then someone else asked a question. And in his answer to that question, he said, "Like Ben said." And that's that a big the moment. First the first time, time someone says your name, that's a big moment. I didn't understand that completely. Yeah. But uh, he's one of the few guys who's younger than me, so <laughs> maybe that <laughs> played. He's respecting his elders. That's what that is. <laughs> Yeah, I remember, like, I don't remember who it was, but I remember the first couple of times, like, I'd be in the hallway and, like, Patrick Sharp's like, oh, hey, Laz, how you doing? I'd be like, ooh, Patrick Sharp knows my name. Like, that's progress. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's funny because, you know, even even me, I, I came in at 32 and I had been doing sports writing. Doing sports writing? Is that even English? I don't know. I had been in the field for a long time covering all kinds of different things. I had done the NHL at your age at a smaller level in Pittsburgh. Uh, but it's it's... It's it's intimidating a little bit when you first start up. It's like you don't know these guys and they're big shots and you've seen them on TV and you're not starstruck by them. I don't think any of us get starstruck by them, but there is a certain level of intimidation the first time you try to talk to Duncan Keith one on one. Oh you yeah, that was that didn't go so well. Honestly. Oh, tell me, tell me, tell me. Um, I mean, I think I just asked a question. He was like, I don't understand what you mean, and then I asked it again. He was like, I don't, I don't get it or something. I think it was it was a very simple question. It was like, how are you playing lately, basically? Uh, and I'm sure he was just giving me a hard time, basically. But. It, it was months before I felt comfortable. Like, I, I think I, I feel like I get along really good with Keith now, really well with Keith now. Uh, but it was months before I was like, like I would walk up to him, not be petrified. Like, and it's, it, he's not a scary guy. Like, he's not. He's a nice guy. He just has. He's a little unsettling sometimes. The way he he's so deadpan, his humor's so dry. You never know if he's joking or not. Always has his shirt off. He always has his shirt off. <laughs> he he he. You could tell like he's fucking with you, but he's not like overtly fucking with you. So yeah, it's, it's 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 it, it took me a while to come around to that. Like, guys, like when I started out, everyone told me to. Everyone warned me about Brent Seabrook that he was really prickly, and I always got along fine with Seabrook. He was never a problem with me because because Seabrook, when he's messing with you, it's it's overt. Like it's like brotherly joshing almost where you know he's screwing around Keith is so dry and deadpan I've come to, I've come to enjoy it but it's like you gotta be like on your toes around him yeah no definitely and, and since Seabrook's hurt and, and Keith doesn't ever talk anymore yeah I haven't <laughs> gotten to know him that much but um it's a shame I, I mean we used to walk into that room for years I think I've told you this before uh you know we used to walk into the room every year especially on the road and Keith and Seabrook would be sitting at their locker stalls side by side and nobody hates talking to the press more than Keith and Seabrook like they don't no bones about it but they were they were the alternate captains actually Seabrook wasn't sharp was at the time but they were always available you'd walk into the room and if you didn't go to them right away they would leave but they made themselves available and you talk to them all the time they you gotta you gotta do some cajoling to get them to talk these days it's it's a different there's differently Patrick Kane has really kind of assumed that that vocal leadership besides Taze Kane's the the, the one in one a with Taze it used to be Keith and Seabrook yeah, coming in from the outside, I've been pleasantly surprised how friendly and approachable Keith and Taves—I mean, Kane and Taves—are. Yeah, I mean, they're there yeah, every day. Right, and yeah. uh, like I in training camp, I was doing a story on Zach Smith's rock music interests, and uh, I talked to to Taves about it, and he started asking me about what music I like, which threw me off a lot of the time. <laughs> but I've now kind of realized that that's more of his stick. So yeah, no, it's it's it, exactly like Taves and Kane. They've been doing this a long time now. They get it. Kane is the only one I think that actually enjoys talking to us. Like he, 
he likes you know talking hockey he's a big hockey nerd so he's always available and you know now that he stays on the ice so long after every practice he can't hide anyway like like a lot of the other guys they get off and get out before we get in yeah it's, it's been cool to realize that basically every game i watch on nbcsn or whatever kane is also watching and then i can ask him <laughs> about it later uh there was a lightning kings game on a couple weeks ago and there was a, a very like crazy power play the, the lightning had like 10 12 shot attempts and i asked him about it later and he immediately could talk about that exact power it's, play it's, and what it's, happened. It's, it's almost disturbing how much he knows. Like, what I love about Kane is, you know, most guys, if you're, say there's like a really big game coming up that weekend, but there's another game in the way, you can't get anyone to talk about that next game. You can't work it. And, you know, in the newspaper world, constantly working in advance, trying to get things ahead of time. Um, and you have to do things like, oh, here's the big game against Winnipeg coming up. And, you know, every pair of like, we're not thinking about that, we're thinking about this. But Kane's like, oh yeah, Winnipeg, yeah, that fourth line's been really good lately. And, <laughs> you know, uh, someone's, someone's minutes have spent like 15, 16 minutes a night now. He's been really good since they switched him to the left side. And, and, and he, he, he's okay talking. He understands, A, the, the, the sport more than most guys, but he also understands the job we're doing, which is, which is appreciated. Not everybody, you know, there's, there's the Marian hosts of the world who have no idea what planet we live on. Nicest guy in the world, but had no clue as to what we were doing for a living. In the, as journalists, which is kind of fun to watch. Um, what's 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 been the best part about it? What, what what have you enjoyed the most about this? I really love the travel, honestly. Yeah, um, it's. I mean, I've been to a few of these places before, but most of them I haven't. And just to get to go to places like in Canada, I mean, I I think Vancouver was the only Canadian city I'd been to before. So I mean, you probably dreamed all your life of going to Winnipeg in February, right? <laughs> well, the thing is, I like winter. <laughs> I like cold weather. I like snow. So it's. Aren't you from fun. Carolina? Yeah, and the reason I moved north was because it's too hot. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's been cool to see. I think Montreal is probably my favorite place so far. Which uh, can't wait for the draft in the spring. Yeah, in Montreal. it's gonna be beautiful. Yeah. yeah, that was coming in. I think I had that in Boston at the top of my list, and they both lived up to expectations. And just even like Denver and L.A. and yeah, Denver's one of my. It's a sneaky, sneaky great city. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I was the same way. I mean, I remember like the, that first the first year they only it was because of the lockout season they only played Western Conference teams. So I had like two years of that where I was like seeing new places for the first time, and I would go to Dallas and I would spend four hours at the Sixth Floor Museum and I would do all the touristy stuff. I missed that because now it's like, oh, I'm in Dallas for the nine thousandth time, and I'm just gonna go to bed at nine p.m. because my kids aren't here and it's great. I could sleep. So I, I kind of miss like I still like the travel, and I don't travel nearly as much as you are. I mean, I did I did what you're doing for six years, so I understand it. And I loved it. I'm glad to be doing 20 games a year instead of 40, 41 games a year. But I miss being excited about like going to San Jose or going to where any city. There's very few cities I get excited about going to now. I still like it. The uh, as you as you sure you found out the access for the players is way better on the road. Like there's only two of us on this trip, and uh, there's you know you walk into the room and, and everyone's available. There's nowhere to hide in visiting locker rooms, so you get great work done on these trips. So I still enjoy being on the road, but um, I do miss kind of the newness of it. Yeah, I've been thinking about that because uh, there have been a few places we've been twice now and yeah. the second time <laughs> Wait till the 17th time. less fun. Um, I was so excited and we were in St. Paul last weekend and there's a Marriott in St. Paul now and it was like I was seeing the city with new eyes because, you know, I covered three straight playoff series there and a thousand games there and always had to stay out by the airport because there's no Marriott's in St. Paul and now all of a sudden I go to Caseta twice in a day and it's like, oh, the whole city's all opened up to me again. It's great. 
Yeah, I've managed to do some tourism too, which has been fun. Like yeah. in St. Paul, I went up to Summit Avenue, which I mean, is nothing special. I have no but idea what that is. It has some mansions, and it has the St. Paul Cathedral. That you're like, going skiing this week, aren't you? Yeah, this is, we have two days off in Calgary. One's a practice day, but yeah, yeah going skiing. That's and awesome. When I was, I went to Malibu when we were in L.A., and I went to the park in Montreal and the mountain. I don't. Yeah, know this job doesn't suck. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty it's good pretty gig. Fun. It's a pretty good gig. We bitch about it a lot, and I bitch about the, you know. I, don't, I bitch about it less than I used to now that I'm on the road 120 nights a year, but it's still pretty great. So, um, what's, what's, has anything surprised you? Uh, I'd have to think about that more. It's been less surprising than I expected, maybe. I think kind of the rush after games mm -hmm. has been a little surprising. I never thought about, and I, I imagine a lot of fans don't either, how it's very difficult to get from the press box to the locker room in about <laughs> I, five see, minutes. I'm always the first thing I did when I got hired by the Athletic was I said, "Oh my God, I'm going to get to watch the third period in the press box because I didn't have to file at the horn anymore." Um, but you guys do that, and then we, we we used to me and Cook and Tracy. We would always go no matter what building we were in, we would go downstairs for the second intermission and watch the third period on TV, basically from the press room. I saw 17 seconds from the the makeshift press room at TD Garden. Like I never saw anything live. You've, you've told me about this before, and it's honestly, I've thought about it a couple times in third periods and thought about how much worse that would be. And it's how it's, so, there have been it's, even it's less some, stressful, but it sucks, yeah. There have been some situations where, like the, the Nashville, the first Nashville game, where it was... Getting down from Nashville stuff, yeah. Well, it was it's getting down as tough, and they were just getting absolutely killed. <laughs> but I really wanted to stay until the end. I think the other... Beat, Reporters who were there went down at the last yeah, commercial break, yeah. and I stayed till the end, and I made it down. But the, like, it's just I don't know, personal principle or something. But it's definitely a lot. Even in the United Center, like you still have to. It's not cutting it close, but you have to walk fast. Yeah, I mean the elevators on the other side of the building is the locker rooms and the press rooms. So I mean it's like a whole. At least uh, most most of these arenas have a dedicated press elevator that just kind of comes up and down and gets you there. It's not like Boston or Tampa where the you're in a freight elevator that just takes forever. So it's not that bad. But yeah, I, I can think of. I can think of two, three times that I was in the third in the press box for intermission, or uh, for the third period, and it's because they were game sevens of playoff series, and I knew there'd be a handshake line. So <laughs> when they won the cup in twenty fifteen at home, um, when they beat Detroit in overtime in twenty thirteen, which was a big one, that would have sucked to have been watching that on TV. The whole Jomerson goal disallowed, and the Seabrook scores the winner. I mean, you missed so much color and atmosphere there, and uh, the Duck series in twenty fifteen. Because um, when you know there's a handshake line, it gives you that little wiggle room. But now I, you know, I see now it's like, well, shit, I probably could have always just stayed up. Yeah, it's it's doable. <laughs> there there have been some funny arena stories though, especially when you don't know where you're going. Yes, maybe a while ago for that, you. That's the hardest part yeah. of the job. People don't realize that is where the hell's the press entrance? Where do I go? Where's the workroom? How do what elevator do I take? Like until you like know the league inside and out, it's like stressful going to a new arena and be like. And just asking random people, do you know where the press entrance is? you know where the press entrance is? I can tell a story from New Jersey. So it was the back-to-back -back with Boston. So mm -hmm. there was no morning skate. There was 4.30 Eastern time availability. Right. The press entrance opens at 4.30 in New Jersey. So I go to the press entrance. It's locked. Ask the security guard outside. I said, there's interviews at 4.30. How do I get in? He said, oh, you're out of luck. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well. <laughs> Forget about it. So I, I walk around to sort of the employee entrance. And it's Star Wars night. So there's maybe 200 people, <laughs> some of which are in Star Wars costumes and other just 
I don't know, various functions for that. <laughs> and a huge horde going in through the press, I mean through the staff entrance. And so I sort of just huddle in with them <laughs> and then go through the security and then they ask me to just sign in like what my role is with the Star Wars performance group and i said well i'm not like i'm here for media and they seemed so confused by this and they just let me through but then i had no press pass so i was just kind of rogue in the arena did you have your card yet your media card i had my media that, card that thing's gold yeah but uh but you could probably tell the difference between like the arenas in like places like new jersey and in the south maybe versus the Canadian and Minnesota and like you know the, the hockey town where you walk in and you flash that card you're like yes sir right away sir and they, they there's there's always a media entrance that's well lit and easy to find and there's a guard there waiting to rush you right through and they have their passes ready for you in the morning. Except Some of these places still have no idea how they're doing this. Not Calgary though, maybe the other Canadian cities, but I went to Calgary and you got to go into that loading dock. Man, yeah, I, I went in through it, but they I asked where the media passes were and the, they had no idea what I was talking oh, so about. So you have been to Calgary. I was going to ask you about the if you were worried yeah. about the catwalk to the, the No, it street. was it was definitely interesting and I got lost, but the security guards didn't care. I never I literally never got my press pass in Calgary. <laughs> like they never knew they never told me where it was. You'd be surprised. Yeah, I think most people would be surprised if you walk around with a backpack on and look confident. I don't want to give any terrorists any ideas here, but if you walk around with a backpack on and look like you know what you're doing, People usually just let you keep walking. Yeah, no, definitely confidence and wearing non-team gear, wearing sort yes. of a button-down or looking, something. Looking mildly professional, yeah. yeah. You don't have to wear a suit, but look professional at least, yeah. So, uh, all right, well, we probably should talk some actual Blackhawks here. Um, it doesn't sound like people want to talk about the Blackhawks today after that game last night in Winnipeg. We're, we're in Edmonton now. Uh, we both just got in. We were in Winnipeg last night for the best first period maybe the Blackhawks have played all year, and then just utter disaster. Um, we both wrote pretty much the same thing today. It was the only thing you could write off of that game is this power play. It's going to be their undoing if they can't fix this. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, they're like the only the Red Wings have a worse differential goal differential yeah. in the power play than they do now. It, they're it's even getting worse as the season goes. That's that's, on. The, that's what's alarming is that it just it's getting worse. I don't I don't know what to do because as you wrote about, there's a lot of talent. Here and there's always it's it's the weird this is like I I wrote that to you that it's been kind of like a running gag like ha 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 the Blackhawks power play stuff now they they need it like it's got to work like the reason they got back into it last year was basically only because of the power play and if you take this goaltending and the the five on five five play has been pretty good lately if you just throw a mediocre power play in there they can make the playoffs and they can do some damage with that goaltending in the postseason but if they're going to keep playing at a fourteen to fifteen percent what are they three for their last. 40-something? I don't even remember. Yeah, it's something yeah. awful like that. I mean, you, you, you're not going to make the playoffs doing that. Well, everyone's turned on to Brinkett, but the thing is that he's producing in the power play at roughly the same rate he did last year. His last four goals are all power play right, goals. Right, it's the five-on-five goals that aren't coming. Yeah, so he's the opposite situation of the whole team, which is odd to me that there's all this firestorm out of the blue about him. Well, it's, it's because he had the two really bad turnovers last night. He had the most obvious like, yeah, the short-handed no, I mean, goal. He had a horrible the short-handed game. goal was off that little stubbed putt he had. That went right into the rush the other way from where caught me that beautiful little pass to uh, um, uh, Kyle Connor, and then he on the, the next power play he did it again. He basically just, Kane put a perfect pass right on his tape and he just lost it completely. Um, so I mean I, I understand why people are, are singling him out, but yeah, he's not the issue. The issue is they can't get him the puck. They can't that seam pass they keep trying to force. I think the scouting reports out on it. Yeah, um, yeah. There, there was some interesting comments that I got to, about about maybe taking Kane off of PP one. And, I mean, it sounds ridiculous. And obviously Kane is the best player on the team. But 
there's something to be said for the way the team leans on him too heavily, where they just like, here, you take it, do something with it, and then everyone else just stands around. And if they're not going to do some major structural difference, like go to like a 3-1-1 or some kind of completely different format, maybe you really shake it up by just taking Kane out of the equation, and maybe that helps them simplify the game. I mean, it sounds crazy, but the more I thought about it, the more I kind of like the idea of just some kind of radical shakeup where you put Zach Smith and Ryan Carpenter on the power plate and, and see if something more direct works. Or even Kubalik, who's shown that he's, besides Kane, maybe the best natural right. goal scorer in the team, and he's barely getting any power play minutes. And Collinson's saying it's because of his handedness. Fuck it. Put him out there anyway. Figure it out. Change the way you pass the puck. Get him the puck. Because what you're doing now is not working, and it hasn't been working for such a long time. The second preseason game, I think it was, in Detroit, he had like an Ovechkin-level one-timer from the faceoff yeah. dot. It was beautiful. Yeah, it was the first one. goal... I think he scored, even though it was preseason, so it didn't count. But I think he's what he's only got two fewer goals than Kane at this point. Yeah, he's and the it, real deal. That 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 stuck in my mind. I think that was on the power play, and yeah. why can't we? Why can't they try to do that? And um, I think it's also interesting. Before Arizona, they were practicing uh, the power play, and I was asking, "Oh, you're trying to get more movement?" Because it's, that to me, it seemed like like you were saying that they're just sort of they give it to Kane. He just sort of looks Stand for around, somewhere to pass yeah. to, and everyone else just stands around. But they keep hitting on instead this message of shooting the puck, which they do need to do more for sure. Shooting helps, yeah. Getting to rebounds and sort of getting like second opportunities. And it's not that that would hurt, but it's odd to me that every time I ask about, oh, maybe you should move your feet around or just try to get a little more movement, that it sort of gets deflected over to that. Well, it seems like it's a natural. I mean, anytime you see a good power play, it's in constant motion. It's like watching like a mid-major college basketball team run the motion offense where everyone's moving it all the time and it just creates shooting lanes. I mean, that's the whole point of the power play is to create shooting lanes. Get the puck on net and then try to knock it in. The Hawks are always trying to do these little pretty backdoor plays and they're trying to get that seam pass and they're just standing around waiting for it to happen. Nobody's taking the initiative there. Even Kane on the half wall, he's, they, they get him in and then he's like, well, nobody's moving. What do you want me to do with this puck? I can't do anything if you don't move. So I, I don't... This is like this is this isn't even hockey one on one. This is like well, duh, hockey. I don't understand why they can't figure out that. Try skating around. Try moving. Try to find some open ice. This isn't that difficult a concept. It's you know I understand why fans are furious. It's maddening to watch, and I don't even care. I don't even have an emotional interest in it. And it's maddening to watch. It's like what are you doing out there? You got and and this was always the case for years. They would try out a, a, a PP one that had four Hall of Famers and an All Star on it with you know Hosa Taves. Keith, Kane, and either Sharp or Seabrook. I mean, they couldn't score! And it, it, it's, it's just baffling to me how for so long, the only time it worked was with Artem Panarin. And Dabrinkit can do what Panarin can do from that circle. He can make those shots. And so can Kubalik. So something else has to be different here because it's just not working. I think, I mean, they didn't have Boquist last night, and I think that made have disrupted things a little bit. He's been on that PP1 so much, but Gustafson was the guy last year that right. led to so much more success. 60 points last year, mostly yeah. because of his power play prowess. And he's filling in in that spot, and it doesn't... They can't even get into the zone last night. It was not even this skating around the zone. I want to see like, more Saad. I want to see more Kubelik. I want to see the... Uh, I want to see I want to see more guys like Saad who can kind of put some muscle and more, a little more power forward in them. That's I'm, I'm serious about putting guys like Carpenter or Smith or 
or Highmore. Put some some of those energy guys out there just to shake it up for a game or two. How excited are those guys going to be to get power play minutes? Power play minutes are, are worth more than gold in the NHL. They never get them. Throw them out there. See if they can just shake something up. Send a message to these guys that what they're doing isn't good enough. Because if they come out here at Edmonton and they play that same PP1 and they're still standing around, they're doing the drop pass and then just giving it to Kane, then it's madness. And the Oilers have the best power play in the league, so they're going to get to see what, what well, works. Well, McDavid's questionable for tomorrow, so we'll see. Um, that, that, would, that would be a, a, big, uh, a big advantage to the Hawks if, if the best player in the world isn't playing tomorrow. I'd be disappointed. I like watching McDavid play. Yeah, I think <laughs> the game in Chicago in October, he was kind of quiet, if I remember. Yeah, they shut him down pretty well. <clears throat> Excuse me. That was... Uh, was that the Saad Camp Kubalik line that shut him down? Yeah, that was when that line was thriving. and yeah. that was, was that their first win of the season? God, it might have been. That was a long time I think ago. That, I think that was the first Can you believe that season. Prague was this year? This season? It does feel like a long time ago. I mean, we're, <laughs> we're planning to go to this Czech restaurant tonight. And yes. So it's been, I've been thinking about Prague, and uh, <laughs> it does seem like a long time ago. It's crazy. I, I, I'm getting Facebook memories. These uh, Six years ago, I was in Sochi. Six years ago doesn't sound like that long ago. That was six lifetimes ago, man. I mean, that was awesome and fun and amazing, but a really, really long time ago. This is my eighth eighth season on the beat. Yeah, eighth season on the beat, and it's uh, it's a lot of hockey. It's a lot of hockey, <laughs> as I'm learning. Hockey. It all that, that's the problem. Like I, I, it all blurs together. That's the problem. I, it, you know, and I, I keep you know with the athletic. We have this army of hockey writers, and everyone's always doing oral histories or stories on past moments and nostalgia pieces. I do a lot of those, but I'll have like someone in like you know some other city like Vancouver say hey can you ask so and so about this particular playoff game and this big moment that was like the biggest moment in the history of the Canucks and I'll be like yeah and then I go ask players like I don't remember that or what, what year was that and like, it all blurs together after a while you've had a very eventful time period on the beat so far well first and three years they won the cup lost in overtime at game seven of the conference final and then won the cup again so been a little dry since if I'm <laughs> lucky enough to still be doing this in eight years from now, I, it's going to be interesting to see what uh, trajectory things take. Well, that's what's interesting to me. I, I, like, you're coming in as such an like. When I jumped in, like the Hawks were the biggest thing ever. Like, the, Chicago was obsessed with the Hawks, and you, you'd walk around, and, and, and they're still a big deal. There's still you know twenty two thousand people in the building every night, or whatever your attendance spreadsheet says. Yeah, Ben has a real affinity for spreadsheets, guys. Uh, if you don't follow me on Twitter, you are saving yourself a lot of attendance <laughs> tweets. So, well, I, I tweet every time there's a Pearl Jam song, so I'm not any better. But um, uh, it, it's my boss. Now I said, oh, I lost my train of thought. What was I talking about? We were talking about what the next eight years might might bring. Uh, yeah, generally. Well, well, well yeah. you know, when I, when I came in, the Hawks were, you know, you, you could you could write anything about the Hawks, and, and everybody would want to read it. You came in, and the first month was awful. Coming off of two straight years without a playoff appearance, um, the Hawks are still a big deal, but they're not the epicenter of the Chicago sports world anymore. The Bears have taken back over. The Cubs have taken over. They've won a championship more recently than the Hawks have. Um, have you? Have you? How, how have you sensed the the uh, the 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 audience for for Blackhawk stuff? This I year? think it's still definitely one of the biggest in yeah. the league. I mean. Chicago being a huge city and a huge sports town, they don't have to be the number one team in town to be a really big deal in the right. NHL. And I think it's also been good for me to come in at sort of a point where they're not maybe rebuilding, but they're definitely retooling and trying to figure out where the future is because instead of just getting thrown into the fire in the midst of the dynasty, 
it's there's a bit more change and it's well yeah it's worked I mean, out well for me yeah i mean you're, you're you've been here as long as half the team has yeah it's not like you yeah. walked in like when, when i came into that that team had been together forever and it took me a while to kind of like get get in with them and, and, and distinguish myself in some way um and guys like like doc and boquist i mean they're, yeah they well, don't know that i haven't been here before well, that, well that's the thing and like i you know chris cook who you who, Writes for the for the team website now. We worked with the Tribune for years. I think his first year was Kane and Taze's rookie year. So he basically kind of chronicled their entire careers. And you know, it's nice to be in on the ground floor with some of these guys, where you'd be able to because this whole business is you know we we, we certainly don't become buddies with the players, but you have to develop some kind of level of trust for them to talk about the things you want them to talk about. So I, I think that's advantageous. That like you said, you came in at the right time when they're really kind of turning over the roster a lot. Where there's only four or five guys that have been here a long time that you haven't covered their whole careers, and even guys like Leonard, who I mean, he's not young, but he's become an integral part of the team, and this is his first year, right. and and he, along with a bunch of other the summer editions, are some of the best interviews. Right. Uh, yeah. Like Dahan, I think, is a great interview, and Mata is a great interview. Yeah, and, the room has been really good the last couple of years. Like there was, like the dynasty years. I, I hate the word dynasty because they didn't win in a row so it wasn't really a dynasty but that's what everybody calls it um those years were fine and then like those years afterward it, it, it wasn't that chatty a room you had a lot of kind of crafty old veterans that kind of didn't want to be bothered with it but the, the room the last couple of years the, the additions of guys like strome and uh like you said leonard uh smith and carpenter are great yeah uh, old yeah. Mata's great kirby doc for an 18 year old he's 19 now really good talker most kids that come in that age they, 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 they can't barely string a sentence together with a microphone in front of their face um, and I've seen him sort of growing in yeah, that realm too. Like yeah. At the start of the year, he, he certainly was well spoken, but he tended to stick to cliches a little bit. Yeah, he's a pretty good quote now. Yeah, he's like I was just talking to him the other day. I have a story on him coming out tomorrow, and yeah, his quoting has definitely improved, and he's he's opening up more, which I think I think a lot of the the newer guys are. Yeah, it's it's a good room, and you can tell like. The players like each other this year. They liked each other last year. They didn't really like each other, it seemed, as much the previous couple of years. It was <clears throat> it was clicks. I wrote about this early in the season. It was kind of clicks, and uh, you know the old guys hung with the old guys, and the young guys hung with the young guys, and the Swedes and the Czechs hung with the Swedes and the Czechs. And it's not like that this year. It seems like everybody really gets along. And you know when Scott and I were doing that player poll last month, he got that sense that everybody really likes everybody, and I think that does translate on the ice, and that's why the team has been playing better lately. Is if you know, you're more if you're if you're more excited about going to the rink, you're going to play better too. You're going to practice hard. You're going to play better. Uh, a power play would help, and you need you, you need liking each other and having a power play would be <laughs> advisable. But uh, it is a good group. I think you came in at a good time. Um, you're doing really good work. I, I like that you finally convinced the Sun Times to embrace math. That yeah. was a fight for me, man. <laughs> like I, I I I'm like I was like your I'm like your fullback, man. I went through there. Begging and pleading, I, I used to. I I had to go to the mattresses just to talk about PDO and Corsi every now and then, as long as I included like a parenthetical afterward explaining what it was, because um, it's different writing for a newspaper. You're writing for a much more general audience. You're writing for people that you're writing for diehard hockey fans, but you're also reading for the person who's reading the paper at the at the Starbucks and is looking at the Bears story, and then oh, there's a Hawks story on this page. You got to draw them in too. You got to write for a much wider audience than say I do at the Athletic now, where you're you're paying just for that content well i think it's part of just the evolution of the nhl overall that those things are becoming a lot more accepted i mean occasionally 
I don't know the exact number, but there have been a few arenas we've been to where it shows the shot attempts or the scoring chances on the scoreboard end, right? yeah. next to <laughs> the shots on goal, which is used to be the only stat that ever really was showed. So I think that's part of it, and maybe also they knew when they hired a 22-year-old that they were going to just have to deal with that. But, uh, it's <laughs> you kids in your math! <laughs> uh, it's definitely fun to be able to cite... I don't know, super advanced things and uh, per minute rates and. and I still try to like like, like I, I I try not to like we have there's so many people who write the analytics stuff and they're brilliant and they. they, they you guys they, are kind of monopolized. It's though. incredible. You got people like uh, Allison Lucan and and Shana Golden and uh, you know uh, Dom Lucision obviously it's extraordinary what they're able to do but like I can't do that like I can I I, I, I grasp the concepts and. And all the stats inform yeah. what I write, but I try not to get too bogged down in it because I still I, I still think that's a niche audience. Like there are people that want those numbers, but I think the majority of fans still just want to know what those numbers mean without being hit with spreadsheets constantly and charts and all that. Well, it's a fine line to yeah. walk these days because it's exciting to have this kind of ability to assess things that we couldn't do before. Like these, this is information we didn't when player tracking comes. The information we have is going to be incredible. It's going to completely revolutionize the way we do this. And that's literally months away, which right. is going to be incredible. Right. I, I, I've it's, been gonna, it's going to throw everything out of whack, and all the stats aren't going to mean anything for a while. I'm going to, it's going to be crazy. But well, at the same time... All the, sorry. No, all, all the stats that we have now are kind of surrogates for right. so like possession all, and it, all the things... That we're going to have the actual numbers now. But at the same time, like I, I, I worry that like we're going to... We're still... I've always said sports writers are infotainers. Like, like the stuff we're writing about matters a lot to the people reading it, but it doesn't really matter at all. And so it's got to be entertaining. It's got to be fun to read. It's got to be interesting. And sometimes the numbers can overwhelm you as a reader. Like, like I'm worried that we're all going to be so excited by all these new stats that we're going to stop using words. And it's going to be, here, numbers, read them. Like, you got, you got to be able to, like, like, like that's my concern going into this. I'm going to be so excited about these numbers and how do I use them without bombarding readers with them. That's definitely a, a big thing. And I think journalists are learning how to do that too, just sort of as, as they well, become... Data journalism more, wasn't even a thing five years ago. Now yeah, it's a whole industry. Yeah. As it becomes bigger and bigger, especially in Thanks, hockey. Thanks, Nate Silver. Because, I mean, baseball and, and other sports yeah. have had these longer. We're still figuring out, and I think teams are and players are also figuring out how much they mean and... What can we learn from them, and well, that's, how that's do you balance thing. that? Hockey's like where baseball was 15, 20 years ago in terms of this stuff. Like, but it's still like I'm a huge Mets fan. I watch like 140 Mets games a year, and sometimes I'll click on a Mets story, and they're talking about these. What the fuck is a Pakoda? You know, I, I, I can understand the concept like Babbitt, but I don't want to just just tell me if he's playing well or not. Is he hitting the ball good? What's he doing? Just give me the information. Tell me a funny story. I feel like sometimes we all get a little too number dependent sometimes and forget that this is supposed to be fun. I find that sports about two thirds of the way down the articles when I start getting a little number heavy. Yeah, if you like make it, it that far, you, you get, get rewarded the, with numbers. You right? get the narrative lead in. You have some <laughs> quotes in there, sort of describing the idea, and then I start just throwing in. numbers. That's a good way to do it because <laughs> you know you know that the people that make it that far, they they want it. They're ready for it. Yeah. Well, and your articles that are two thousand words every time, it takes a little more effort to get two thirds down than mine. <laughs> Chris Luca, I stuff. Can I get six hundred and fifty words instead of six hundred words? I would fight for that. Now, now I can't shut up. Like, I, <laughs> someone's going to rein me in. <laughs> I wrote a story on the plane today. It's going to be in tomorrow's... Uh, I still say tomorrow's paper sometimes. I still say that after all those years as a newspaper guy. 
uh, on the athletic tomorrow. That's like it's it's like twenty seven hundred words, but it's a story I've always wanted to write. And the amount of good stuff I had, it could have been like a ten thousand word thing. I'm still learning it on reining myself in every now and then. You wrote the whole thing on the plane. Yes. It's a two hour flight. Two thousand seven hundred words in two hours. I have one marketable <laughs> skill. I write really fast. <laughs> I think I write pretty fast too, but I don't not to that extent. I don't know. <laughs> Once it starts, it's just a matter of getting you know loosen the ketchup bottle and then then it all pours out. Um, anyway, I really I'm glad you came on. This was fun. Um, keep up the good work. Uh, I, I I still have the Sun Times holds a very dear place in my heart, and I'm glad to see it's in good hands. Um, and that you guys are still kicking ass and uh, on the whole sport. The sport Saturday is great. Everybody should subscribe to the Sun Times. You should subscribe to the Athletic. Support local journalism. Damn it. Um, and the Blackhawks should get a power play. They should fix that. That's the moral. <laughs> Scott, hope you're feeling better. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, until next time, this is Mark Lazarus, and this is the Lazen Powers Podcast. I can help even just a little bit. Won't you let me try?